0: Worship package, this has been this morning. What a blessing! Oh, my goodness, and really just what an exciting time in our church right now. Um, you know, I, I appreciate the nomination uh, for uh, potential eldership alongside with uh, Sammy. Um, I know I can highly endorse him because he's just a, a quality uh, person, and I, I know he will make an outstanding. Um, addition to the leadership of this uh, church. Uh, as for myself, you can, you can make your own mind after I finish preaching. And, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I want to welcome uh, those of you um, here with us uh, this morning in person. And uh, for those of you that are uh, watching us online, uh, I just want to say thank you for joining us and uh, uh, so glad uh, that you've chosen uh, to be with us today. Uh, we are continuing our series called Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. And, you know, just speaking personally, I, I feel like uh, this series is is so crucial, so vital for us as believers. Um, you know, we might look at something like, you know, yeah, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth and, and kind of blow it off as something, uh, you know, elementary like but I don't know I, I, I feel like for me um, this is important. Uh, this is important to for me to establish you know really kind of like my epistemology of faith and yeah I, I realize I'm throwing out a big you know $20 word there. Um, but it's the idea of you know recognizing not only what I believe but really why I believe it. And, uh, and, and I think it's good to take inventory of that uh, every once in a while and really just, um, yeah, just uh, have a refresher on those foundations of the faith. And so uh, that's what we'll be continuing with uh, this morning uh, as we look at the resurrection um, of Christ. And we've been singing uh, a series of songs this morning that, uh, yeah, just set the table uh, for this message. So thank you once again, Uh, Worship team, you have prepared, um, I would say, a fabulous uh, feast of worship, and now it is time for me to bring the dessert, as it were. Uh, We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and beginning at verse 12. It says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still asleep in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope, in this life only, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. Now I recognize when it comes to speaking of the resurrection, you know, we usually connect this to um, Easter Sunday, and so it got me thinking. You know, what would it be if we were to just kind of turn back the clock a few months? You know, back to uh, the springtime, and, and we were just all gathered together um, here today on Easter Sunday, and we've had this you know great time of, of praise and worship. Uh, but let's say you know before we even had come to Church on Easter, um, maybe you were watching the news on television, for example, or um, maybe you were following uh, what was going on in social media, or um, maybe this sounds uh, archaic, maybe you were listening to the radio, um, I don't know. Um, but let's say, um, you know, as you were getting ready to come to church on Easter Sunday, you heard Uh, or, or, or watched a news report that maybe sounded something like this. Today, as millions of Christians gather all over the world to celebrate Easter, the annual recognition of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the findings of a recent archaeological dig have been released after months of carefully examining the garden tomb where Jesus' body was laid the identifiable remains of a man who died by crucifixion were discovered this week. The tomb, that of Joseph of Arimathea, and the mummified remains have been positively identified of those of Jesus of Nazareth. Ironically, on the very day when Christians exclaim, he is risen, it has been proven that he is dead. Christ did not rise from the dead as he said, rather, he is among the dead. Jesus was just a man after all. What will Christians do now with a dead savior and not a living one? Morel Francis, CBC, Jerusalem. <laughs> what would you do with that news? And, and would such news make a difference in your day? What about your faith in Christ? What about your life in general? And what about your eternity? What if there was no resurrection? Because in that passage that I shared earlier from 1 Corinthians 15, Paul addressed the possibility of a dead savior. And in response to those who were saying that there is no resurrection, Paul suggested that if that were true, then Christ is not risen. I think Paul's point was that you can't deny the reality of a resurrection and worship a living Savior. And so furthermore, he would go on to say, if Christ is not risen, then we must consider the consequences Uh, for us as believers. And the first one is this. If Christ isn't isn't risen, then as Christians, there's nothing to say. In verse 14 we read, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. If Christ is not risen, then as Christians, there's nothing to stand on. because it says, and your faith is in vain. If Christ isn't written for Christians, they have nothing to show. Verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. If Christ is not risen, then as Christians, there's nothing to share. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. If Christ is not risen, then for Christians, there's nothing to show. Oh, it's right, yeah, there's okay, there's nothing. okay, no, Oh okay, I must have skipped one. Oh, I, I did skip one. Oh, shame on me. All right, let me, go to, let me go to verse 70. "There's no salvation. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still, a, uh, still in your sins then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And then finally, yeah, if Christ hasn't been risen, for Christians, we're just a sorry lot. If in Christ we have hope in this life, we are of all people most to be pitied. So apart from the reality of resurrection, there is no hope at all. No resurrection, no redeemer. No redeemer, no redemption. No redemption, no rejoicing. And therefore, no good news. So here's what I think. I think this would then be the perfect time to rehearse the gospel. Remember the good news. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul begins with a very clear and concise statement about the gospel. Verse 1. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And so once again, I I, I emphasize the importance of this series. Because I, I feel it's important for all of us as believers to know the gospel. And the gospel is very simple, and we'll unpack, it, we'll unpack it in just a moment. But if you're here this morning as a believer, but you don't know how to present the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4 put it very simply for us. Because the gospel, the good news, this is to be given, okay? This is to be declared. This is to be preached, And and it's good news to be received. It's good news to be welcomed with open hearts. It's it's good news to be believed, because this is life-changing truth. The gospel is to be delivered by those who have received it and those who have believed it. That's God's plan. And and Paul was an example of someone who did that. And so it lends the question so, what's so good about this good news? Well, let me tell you Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Let's unpack that for a moment. Christ died. In God's plan of salvation, Jesus Christ is the lamb slain for the foundation from the foundation of the world. The son of God was born to die. It happened at a cross. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he didn't just appear to die or pretend to die. He died. Why? He died for our sins. He paid the penalty for our sins. He took our place. Here he was. He was without sin. The spotless Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice for sinners. He died for me, and he died for you. He died for us. And he did so according to the scriptures. So you don't have to take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Because in the Bible, we essentially have the inspired death certificate of Christ. Matthew 27, 50, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Mark fifteen thirty seven, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. Luke 23, 46, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, I commit, uh, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. And And then this verse, John 19, 32 to 34. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. This was the final proof of death. And so the Scriptures clearly document the death of Christ. But through Christ, he died according to the Scriptures, and he, died, he did so for our sins. Furthermore, Paul writes, and that he was buried. You see, Jesus died on a cross at a place called Golgotha. And his his body then was removed by a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea and, and Nicodemus who had gained permission from Pilate to prepare his body for burial. In Mark chapter 15 and verse 46, or 36 we are told that Jesus' body was wrapped in linen, it was laid in a, in a tomb, and then a stone was, was rolled across the door of that tomb. The burial vault was a, a garden tomb adjacent to Calvary. And then we see that there were two women, Mary Magdalene and Mary the wife of Cleopas, and they had witnessed the entire burial process. And then four soldiers were dispatched by uh, Pilate to seal the tomb and to stand um, as guards unless someone came to steal his body. And so the burial of Jesus proved his death. He was laid there on what we would probably consider a Friday um, afternoon, sometime maybe before 6 o'clock, and he remained there until Sunday morning. Jesus was dead and buried. His disciples were discouraged and scattered. His enemies were claiming victory. And then came Sunday. The gospel is first, Christ died. Second, he was buried. But third, he rose again on that third day according to the scriptures. Jesus is the one who died, but he lives. Jesus was the one who was buried, but he rose from the dead. Jesus was the one who was crucified, but he is resurrected. He is the resurrection and the life, and he will never die again. And so like his death, Jesus' resurrection is also a well-documented fact. The scriptures contain the testimonies of angels and men alike. Matthew 28, 6. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, as spoke spoke the angel to the woman who in turn told the disciples. The Lord is risen indeed. Um, according to Luke 24, 34, and has appeared to Simon, said the two travelers on Emmaus Road to whom Christ has appeared. The gospel. The gospel stands firm. The gospel stands strong you can count on it, you can take it to the bank. It's firm, it's stable. No matter how much opposition in this world where people try to push back, you can count on the gospel. And so because you can count on the gospel, we know that Christ died for our sins, we know that Christ was buried, We know that Christ was raised on the third day. And so we have reason to celebrate. We really do. We have reason to celebrate. We have reason to shout. We have victory. He arose. He's alive. Forever. And and because He is risen, all those who are dead in Him will be raised as well. He is the first fruit. He is the promise. He is the guarantee of the resurrection and the guarantee of the redeemed. And so what is the result of that? Why is it we should celebrate? Well, because now as Christians, we do have something to say. And we do have something to stand on. And we do have something to show. And we do have something to share. And we are saved. And we are secure in our salvation forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Everything rises and falls on the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There have been many people in the world who have died and have been buried. I think of my own parents who died seven, eight years ago, uh, different times, in about an 11-month period. And I remember when my mother had passed away. And I remember being there for the days leading up to the funeral, and then being at the site. And up until we got to the site, I had been doing quite well. I'd been holding it together. But as soon as they started to bury my mom's um, casket into the ground, I lost it. I cried like a baby. Because the finality of it all. She wasn't coming back. And then a year later or so when my father had passed away and in a very similar scenario, I was doing fine up until they started to bury his casket. I couldn't even watch it happen because I know what it all signified. He wasn't coming back. And so many have died and have been buried. But only Jesus, only Jesus, was raised from the dead. He is alive. He came back. Christ has risen from the dead. He is the one and only Savior. He is the one for all and the once and for all Savior of sinners, and so Christians of all people—we're not to be most pitied, but we are to be the most blessed. I'm going to invite the praise team to to come back up as they as they prepare um, for our last song. I just want to read a couple of other uh, verses as I close out. Because Christians are people to be most blessed. We have a present hope with future effects. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 5 says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again" to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation to be revealed in the last time. So we have a present hope with future effects. And we have a future hope with present effects. First John chapter three, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we shall be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world doesn't know us is because it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared but what we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he, he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself um, as so he is pure. There is a redeemer. He's Jesus Christ. He died was buried and has been raised from the dead, amen.